Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. That was one note. Did you hear it? I was singing along with that the other day in the shower, and... uh, I just wanted to see what would happen if I tried to hold it, and, and I started getting lightheaded, so I, I, I had to quit. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Are you comfortable? One more Sunday with the fans, and next week it'll be an all-new system. Excited about that. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. And that was the gospel group, the Blind Boys of Alabama, and their version of the spiritual If I Had a Hammer. It appeared on the album also called If I Had a Hammer, released in 2005. The Blind Boys first sang together in 1939. They've toured for seven decades and have an extensive discography. The group sings mainly spiritual songs, uplifting songs, as well as giving encouragement to those with disabilities. Group member Ricky McKinney, who was responsible for the, the, the note, said, Our disability doesn't, give it, it, it doesn't have to be a handicap. It's not about what you can't do. It's about what you do. And what we do is sing good gospel music. Well, there were a few different songs that I wanted to play this morning. My first pick was a song called Working on a Building. Those of you that are Bill Monroe fans, you might recall that song. It was actually recorded first by the Carter family in 1934. Well, there's a particular version that I like. It was, it was performed by Mylon Lefebvre. I don't know if anybody in the house is Mylon Lefebvre fans. But he had a version that I really liked, but I couldn't find it. I had it on a on a a regular cassette tape, and that doesn't really sound too good anymore. So uh, I didn't have a CD, didn't have anything else. There wasn't anything on YouTube. So I I started listening around, and and I I ended up settling on If I Had a Hammer. I listened to Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash has a version of If I Had a Hammer. But it wasn't quite the same as as the, the Blind Boys version. And while I was listening, I also listened to a song by Johnny Cash that you might recall, The Legend of John Henry's Hammer. You remember that? It was about a man who got the best of a fancy new steam drill through good old-fashioned sweat and hard work. Well, we live in a time when machines do a lot of the heavy lifting for us. Railroad, Railroad work is one example of how we don't do that heavy work by hand anymore. And thank God. If you've been around here lately, you might have seen that they're doing some work on the tracks. 
And I saw this, it, it was actually on the side of it, they called it the railroad drone. And this thing, it was, it was about the size of an engine, and it went back and forth. It was helping to make sure that the tracks were, were smooth and, and even. Now watch this thing, and then there's a guy that's controlling it, just like a remote-controlled car. Well, you might have also seen that there's other jobs that have been replaced by, by machines. If you've ever been through the self-checkout at HEB or Walmart, those jobs of the, the checkers have been replaced by the machines because you don't have to pay a machine. Well, in God's kingdom, there are jobs that we got to get done. And in order to, to extend the kingdom and to grow the church. And these jobs can't be replaced or outsourced by somebody else. They need to be filled and done by the people of God in the local church. And so I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about finding your place in the body of Christ. My text is from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. His first letter in chapter 12. And I'll begin in verse 12 where he says, The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, but not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand that doesn't make it any less part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that that seem weakest and less important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together in such, an, that, such that an extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all of the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. I think it's pretty awesome how Paul refers to the human body to describe what the body of Christ is like and how it operates how the church was intended to function. 
The function of the human body is an amazing thing to consider. Just think of all the things that it can do when it's healthy. Just look at your hand, for instance. Just the, the simplest movements that you're able to do in your hand, they're made possible by several muscles and tendons and ligaments. When you move your arm, the things that are involved in making that arm move, the muscles that support the joint, the muscles that are on the arm that allow it to move properly. When we walk, there's some 200 muscles that are involved in, in taking a single step. When you smile, it actually takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. I started to write down how many muscles were involved and I, I didn't do that and I don't remember now. But the fact is, every little thing that we do, everything that our body does when it's healthy, is, is actually a miracle. If you've ever had an action figure... I was into action figures when I was a kid. And I don't know how many of you remember the G.I. Joes, but they started making them where they had the, the movable joints. And they never would move quite like the human body did. They tried. They, they, they did a lot to make them move that way, but they weren't quite the same. Now, a thing about the human body, and I think we all understand this, let something in your body get injured. Let something get out of alignment like a sore foot or a bad back and it will change your entire routine. Has anybody had a bad back recently? You know what I'm talking about. I hurt my back one time so bad that I could not touch my back. It hurts so bad. I, I'm, I'm in the shower and I, I, I can't bend over. And I'm just, I'm washing just the front. Because that's all I could touch. When the body is healthy, it can do almost anything. And Paul says that the body of Christ is diverse. Much like the parts of our physical bodies. There's different functions that each part plays in the operation of our body. And a lot of these things happen at the same time, sometimes without our knowledge of, the, of them actually working and doing their thing. Now in regard to the body of Christ, Paul says that it's made up of Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free men. But that's hardly an exhaustive list of how diverse the body is. It's also made up of men and women and children, young and old, every nationality, color, race, and creed. And everyone who belongs to Jesus has been baptized. They've been united together with the Spirit of God and are part of His body. And Paul says that each of the parts of the body have a distinct function 
just like each of our bodies do. The foot, for instance, is designed for walking, sometimes used for kicking, and the hand is designed to grasp and to manipulate things. Have you ever tried to do something that you can do with your hand, with your feet? How does that work out? My brother, when he was younger, and my dad used to tell me about this, that that he used to be able to, to scratch his ear like a dog with his foot. How many of you can do that? I, I've never been able to do that myself. But have you ever tried to do something that, that you can do with your hands, with your feet? It's almost impossible. Consequently, if you try to use your hands like feet, it's almost the same way. How many of you can, can stand on your hands and walk across the room? Very few people that I know can do that. Some people, you know, with a lot of work, they're able to do it. But our hands don't have the same stability that our feet do. And consequently, our feet don't have the same agility that our hands do. We used to use a phrase when uh, we were playing football. Somebody throws the football and it hits them right in the hands and they drop it. You got hands like feet. Well, that's because the hands and the feet have different responsibilities. And according to Paul, there are no unimportant parts of your body. There are parts of our body that we don't see its function. Let something go wrong with your your lower GI... And it might look normal on the outside, but you know it's not operating right on the inside. Right? Things start moving around in there and they're not supposed to be, and the next thing you know, you're, 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 in, you're in bad shape. You know what I'm talking about. Those things need to function properly, and we want them to function properly. And when... When I, as Paul says, when, when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. Just imagine, you know, you hurt your thumb. I mean, that, that's pretty miserable. You can't really do anything like you normally can because you're, you're, you're making sure that you don't hurt that thumb again. And if you're feeling bad on the inside, you don't really feel like doing much of anything. And sometimes when we get sick, we, we even think, oh man, I'm, I, I'll never get better. If I have to live like this for the rest of my life, I'm going to be miserable. And then when we start feeling better, we start to celebrate, right? When one part of our body suffers, we all suffer with it. But when one part of our body celebrates, we celebrate with it. And Paul is using that analogy to describe what the the church is like. The body is like. I also like to compare the function of the body to team sports. Now, I've talked a little bit about it. I I used to play football. I used to play baseball. And in those sports, you have a position. You have a specific job to do. If you play in right field, you're supposed to play your position, right? You're standing out in right field. Well, if, if you get bored... 
My daughter didn't like playing in the outfield whenever she was starting out in softball. And so when she got tired, she'd just sit down. Well, if you do that whenever you're actually playing baseball and you're in a competitive league, well, the guys on the bench take a look at that and say, okay, see that guy out in right field? Hit the ball past him, and then you can, you can run for a while. Same thing goes for football. You know, you've got your, your position that you're supposed to play. And the teams try to find the weak spot on that team. And if they find out that a cornerback is, is not quite as fast as the other receivers, guess what? They're going to capitalize on that all night long, keep throwing to that guy. Well, that was what I, my experience in, in team sports was like growing up. Well, several, several years ago, my son decided that he wanted to play soccer. I didn't know anything about soccer. Soccer came along after I was already in high school. And, you know, and as far as I was concerned, it was a, a godforsaken sport because you have to run all the time. But there's something about the team sports of soccer, basketball, and volleyball in that you've got your positions that you have to play and, and a lot of times you have a zone that you're supposed to cover. Well, one of the things that I noticed whenever I was a coach, there was always a kid who thought he was a little bit better than everybody else. And maybe his parents told him that he was a little bit better than everybody else and so it, this got into his head. Well, they decided that they could play the next guy's position better than that guy could. So they tried to cover their position and that, that other position. And then if the other kid didn't do whatever he wanted him to do, then he would try to play that kid's position. And the next thing you know, this kid's running all over the place and he's not staying at home. And before you know it, the score is like four or five goals to zero and he's screaming at everybody, and the fact is, he's the whole problem. Instead of playing his position and working with the team, he's not playing his position at all. And when we work together, when teams work together, whenever they play together, those superstars that actually are probably the best on the court, they make the people around them better. Because... They involve them in the play. Volleyball players who could stay in their position and serve and then move the ball to get it back over the net, that's an awesome teamwork to have. On the basketball court, someone who thinks that they have to score all the points and they take all the shots as opposed to passing the ball every now and then and allowing someone else to get a shot and the same for soccer, passing the ball instead of trying to run the ball down the field by themselves. The best teams are the ones that work together, and the superstars, names like Jordan, Brady, and I don't really like Tom Brady, but you have to acknowledge the fact the guy's a good quarterback. He makes everybody around him better. And that's the intent in the body that we celebrate together, we mourn together, but we celebrate together. And we celebrate the wins because we work together. Paul says we all together are the body of Christ and we each have a part in it. 
So what does Paul identify as the various parts of the body? He provides us with a list. In verse 28 he says, Here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. Second are prophets. Third are teachers. Then those who do miracles. Then those who have the gifts of healing. Then those who help others. And those who have the gift of leadership. And those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Now Paul says, earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And I think he's saying there, in regard to what builds up the church and brings people into the kingdom of God. Those are the gifts that we, we should want. Those are the ones that we should be asking God to give us. And over the past 20 years, I've come to realize that this list of gifts really just scratches the surface. There are many, many more gifts. There are things like people who are friendly and welcoming. Have you met somebody like that in church? You walk in the door and they just make you feel welcome. They remember your name when you walk in the door. That's a gift. And then there are people who like to give gifts to others. You know, they're the ones that are they're generous and they continually give. And they just keep giving and keep giving and keep giving. And they don't ask for anything in return. How about people who extend hospitality? You know the kind of people I'm talking about. They make you feel welcome. They might invite you over to their home and, and, and just, just want to spend time with you, just to get to know you. you know, that, that's a gift, to extend hospitality, to make strangers new friends. And then there are people with creative gifts. You know, I, I was looking at the, the tables yesterday after we got finished. I have this thing. I, I cannot imagine something before I see it. I don't know why it's like that. There are people that talk about all this kind of stuff. And they, when we start talking about rearranging the room and everything, it's like, man, that, that would be great. I can't see it because we've got our rows and, you know, we get the chairs set up. And that, that's, that's kind of what it is. And, and I look at it and it's, this, this is the way it should be. You know, like chairs and chairs and chairs. And then someone like Shauna comes in and says, Hey, let's do this. We're going to put some tables like this. And we'll move this little platform thing so we can have some more room. And then we're going to, going to spread these tables around like this. And we're going to do this. And, and then, then I'm going to bring in some balloons and all this kind of stuff. I mean... That's what the gift of creativity gives us. You know, it'd be really bland if, if it was just like, hey, Joel, decorate the room. Okay, I throw out all the chairs. You know? But there's more than just creativity in this way. I mean, people who use 
these, these ideas that just, you know, they just come out of, out of the air. Like, you know, how to do this a little bit better. Or how to maybe, you know, there, there's a solution to this problem that we're trying to figure out. And this creative person comes along and says, well, all you need to do is this. That's a gift. Creativity is a gift from God. And then there's writers. You know, there, there are people that are gifted in writing. And sometimes they can say things in writing that, that are, are just, just amazing. And then, you know, they write stories and they can, they can, write, all, they can write songs. You know, I, I, I would love to have that gift, to be able to, to write and be able to express myself, you know, like, like some other people are able to do. And then there are artists, people who use their artistic abilities to decorate, to, to do things. I mean, what would life be like without any artists in it? Now, I know artists can be kind of weird sometimes, but, but we need more beauty in our world. And that's what artists bring us, is a, is a little bit of beauty in the everyday. And then there are musicians. Everybody needs to know a musician, I think. Of course, you know, you might say that they're kind of weird too. And what about geeks? Let me tell you something. Those of you that, that get a smartphone... And you're like, man, I don't know how in the world to use this. You need a good geek in your life. And I'm not talking about me. I, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to lose that, that, that handle. But we, we need people who have those abilities. That, that actually like to figure out stuff. It's like, man, that computer's doing some kind of weird thing. I don't know what's going on. I'll look at it. They get on there. And it's fixed. I love those kind of people. We need those kind of people in our community. And then, last of all, but surely this is not an exhaustive list by any, any stretch, but I was thinking about this yesterday. If you haven't been in the back room, before you leave today, you need to go and peek in there. Now, I'll just tell you, watch your step, because there's glue and all kinds of dust on the floor, and this is a work in progress. But... We came across something yesterday. We're starting to tear down this wall. Oh, there's an electrical circuit. What are we going to do? And lo and behold, Shannon's there and he's like, well, I'm not a licensed electrician, but I, I, I work on electrical. And it was like, man, <laughs> we, we need your help. And we were able to cut it off. We were able to, to disconnect it and have it done upright. And so we were able to finish that job yesterday. And so, Shannon, I want to thank you for just being there. But we need people with those gifts because it's a gift. You understand electrical. If I go out and start messing with a panel, I'm going to get electrocuted. And carpenters. I couldn't drive a nail straight to save my life. Thank God for people like Brian. We need those people in our community. And when we... When we recognize the people and their gifts in our community, we need to applaud them. And we need to encourage them to use those gifts towards serving the kingdom. That's exactly what Paul was talking about. King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, 
Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. And do it with all your might. Now how much more when we recognize that God has given us a gift that will bless the church and His kingdom. God is the gift giver. And they're His gifts that He's entrusted to us. And He asks us to be good stewards to use them toward extending His kingdom. He gives them to each of us as He sees fit. So just like the song says, if I had a hammer, I'll hammer it all the time. There's another verse that says, if I have a bell, I'll ring that bell all the time. And Scripture and experience bears out that God gives the supernatural gifts, miracles, gifts of healing, languages, where they're needed. Phil Strout, the national director of Vineyard USA, said recently, people say that they want to see miracles, but nobody wants to be in a place where they need one. If we want to receive the supernatural gifts that God wants to give, we need to practice faith the way that John Wimber spelled it out. And that was R-I-S-K. That's how faith works. We take a risk. And we trust that God's going to come through. Those times when we pray and ask God to heal somebody, it's a risk. Those times that we feel like God has given us something to tell somebody that's an encouraging word, that's a gift. And we risk just saying it this week, we got a phone call from, from Lavina. Maybe it was last week. Was it last week or this week? Sorry. It's her first time back in church and I'm already calling her out. Oh, okay. Well, I, oh, that, that's, that's even worse. I, I was gone last week, so that, that's not bad. Um, but she, she called me, or called Danelle, actually. I, I feel like it was, she called me, too. But... But we were, we were talking about the stuff that's going on today. And, that, and, and we're going to be sharing with you during our, our, our time here at lunch. But as we were getting ready, I mean, it just seemed like we were just throwing stuff together. I mean, Danelle's been working and Vern's been working. And we've just been working trying to get all this stuff together for, to get ready for today. Because we're, we're actually going to launch something today. We're calling it Connection. And we'll be talking about that during lunch. But as we were getting ready, it was like, oh my goodness, we're, we're not ready. We're not ready. We're, we're, we're scrambling around trying to get all this stuff together. You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, we're going to be doing all this work back here. We can't even get started because we've got, we're waiting on the, on the AC to get fixed. I mean, everything was just, just cramming down. Well, Lavina calls and says that she had a dream. And in this dream... And it, it's, it, it was kind of funny. It kind of freaked Danelle out at first. But in this dream, Danelle was, was pregnant, getting ready to have a baby. Yeah, that, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> just, just so you know. But she's, she's, she's getting ready to have this baby. And, and in, in, in the dream, she's, she said, it's not time. It's not time. It, it, it's too soon. It's too soon. And about that time... 
I come bursting through the door. And I'm just so excited about the baby that's coming. That the baby's coming. That the baby's coming. And, and, and she felt like that, you know, we've been looking forward to this. And, and we may not be ready. But we feel like God is about to do something in our church. And, and it's going to change, really, everything. And in order for us to be able to do this, we need everybody to be in their spot. Carol Wimber, Carol Wimber, Carol Wimber her, actually her last name's Wong now. She's since remarried. She was John Wimber's wife while he was alive. She said that it's, it's crucially important that everybody finds their place in the body. Because when we find our place in the body, then it becomes what it's supposed to be. And it's able to touch and do everything that God God intended. You know, when we're talking about walking with a limp, you know, you hurt your foot or you hurt your back. Whenever your body is healthy, then you can do anything. And in the same way, when we get everybody in their place, we can do anything. I think God wants to use each of us to make an impact in the world that we live in. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be here today. God wants us to use the gifts that He's given us individually along with His supernatural gifts to help us do it. And He wants our church to make an impact in Brenham and in Washington County. And He'll do that through each of us using our gifts to bring Him the glory that He deserves. Can we stand together this morning? I know we're getting ready to eat and seeing the the food coming out, smelling the food coming out. Some of your attention might have already been been moved over to the other side of the building. That's okay. Because I'm not going to keep you very long. But I want to ask a question this morning. And I want to ask this to everybody. Young and old. Man, woman. Kids. What has God put in your heart to do? What's God put in your heart to do? I think everybody has something you feel like, you know, way back I, I wanted to do this. And maybe you didn't get the opportunity to do it for whatever reason. What has God put in your heart to do? Let's pray.